Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning, my name is Lily, and I'm going to be reading John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You can have a seat, church. Thank you for reading that, Queen Lily. This morning, I have a question that I'm wondering. I wonder if there's anyone who's had a moment this week where they feel like they have not been themselves. Absolutely. A couple couple years ago, I had this publicly on display for me and myself in a moment where I wasn't myself, truly. Uh, I had driven into town here uh, locally, and uh, I have a family member who is a first responder, and uh, my father, who was his family member, uh, was participating in this weekend dodgeball tournament that was being hosted by the high school, and it was a fundraiser. And as I was coming into town, I received the phone call and said, Zane, we are down one dodgeball member. We need you to step in and be the fill-in dodgeball member. And I said to myself, I'm, I, I'm not a police officer. Like, I can't step in and be a part of this team. And he goes, I need you on this. I was like, well, I can do this. So I step in to take part in this team. And uh, I, really, I understood our goal was uh, two things. One, uh, we were to be an example at this high school dodgeball tournament. Two, our goal was to crush these kids, Okay. Because we were the oldest people and we were taking shade left and right for how old we were. And it was really fun and it was all fun and games for a while until we took on the track team. Okay, those guys were punks. All right, they were just taunting us back and forth and back and forth. All fun and games until one of the major rules of dodgeball is broken. I get hit in the face, okay? There's one rule in dodgeball. You cannot hit people in the face, okay? So I calmly handled the situation. I looked at the referee and I said, I don't know if you've noticed, 
But that child over there applied the ball to my face in such a degree that I think they should be out. At least that's how I wish the story was told. I come unglued on this this poor teacher that was like, dude, I'm not even getting paid for this. I come unglued on her. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you ever played dodgeball before? Listen, Miss Frizzle, I'm not out. She's out. (laughs) It's just about that time that I'm just coming completely unglued. I have a teacher walk up behind me and just gently touch my back and go, um, officer, remember that, <laughs> goes, uh, officer, uh, you're doing what we're encouraging the kids not to do. And I remember in that moment, just all the blood being drained from my face. It was like, you know what? You know what? I'm going to let this one slide. I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> and then I just fade into the background. Have you ever had a moment like that? A moment where you were like, who was that? Because that was not me. You know, I'm mindful as we come to church. There are probably dozens of funny moments you have of that. But there's also moments that are less than funny, right? Like we got really exhausted this week and we snapped at one of the kids. We got really angry and we reacted in a way that we don't usually react. We got insecure And we lied about something that we didn't even need to lie about. Who was that? Because that person wasn't me. Early Christians actually had a definition of that moment that you can experience where you're like, where did that come from? That was not me. Early Christians would actually call that the false self. These moments that you're really good at hiding around most people. Except the people who you're extremely close to, who they get to see a side of you that no one else gets to see. And the thing that we come to church today to remember is that God sees that person as well. And the resurrection of Jesus is God's response to your false self. But also, there is a response called of you to your false self. So past couple weeks, we've been doing this series called First Importance, where we have been celebrating what Christians have declared since Easter, that Jesus lived, he died, and he raised again. And because God has raised Jesus, that means there are some promises available to you. And one of those promises is that God has responded to the worst sides of yourself. And in that response, he is also asked for you to respond in a certain way. Now, as the resurrection is being sorted out, there are some stories that we get at the end of the Gospels of people being like, what was like Jesus actually raised? Like, what does this mean? And one of the stories that we're given is the one that Queen Lily just read for us today. If you haven't turned in your Bibles yet, I'd encourage you to pull it up on your phone or pull out your Bible to John chapter 21. If you are new to the Bible, it is the fourth one kind of in the... Man, I was struggling with that description this morning. Back two-thirds of the book, you're going to run into... Luke, then you'll run into John. John is going to tell you a story of someone who experienced the false self. This person who experiences it is Peter. 
And Peter has to come face to face with his false self through a question that the face of the resurrected Lord now asks him. So let me start in verse 15. Uh, so when they had finished eating, because Jesus always wants to eat first, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him this a third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Now, there is a question and a lot of backstory behind why he's asking three different times. If you read it, they had finished breakfast and he said, do you love me more than these? All the backstory. Everything you need to know is loaded right in this phrase right here. Love me more than the, who are the these that he's talking about? Because Peter wasn't the only one that was with Jesus. Jesus had several followers along with him, but Peter, he was the most loud and proud. Like he just said it with his chest wherever he went. He was like, I am going to follow. Here's how he actually said it at one point. Peter said to Jesus before the cross, he said, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Even if all these other people around me desert you. The false self for Peter is a false superiority. And three times leading up to the cross, Peter is given a moment to actually make good on his words, they said, and all three times he misses it. He gives up to it. This is not a question of comparison. This is a moment where Jesus is inviting Peter to examination and to be able to see how Peter perceives himself compared to his ideal self. And this is the walking with Jesus that all of us do. We have to work through the perceived self compared to our ideal self. Let me put it to you this way. I had this past week with my spouse. We were walking through, you know, one of those lovely conversations where you're just kind of talking about, what do I contribute into this marriage? You know, you know and I'm just kind of going through the list real fast. I'm like, you know, I do the laundry. You know, I make sure everything's put together. I do the dishes. I make sure we, and she goes, oh, what what'd you say? What was that third one? I said, well, I, I, I load the dishwasher and I, I do dishes. She goes, huh? Oh, she goes, you, man, we need to talk about this thing. You, that you load the dishwasher. Perceive. What, what do you mean perceive? Like, I've loaded that dishwasher hundreds of times. And she's like, correct. You have found a hundred different ways to load it incorrectly. And I have to come behind you and reload that dishwasher every time. And I felt like, no, that's not awesome. Okay, I, I can hear you. I really can't. I just felt like a scam, right? We all have that. I mean, take the laughter out of it. I mean, we all have that. People exist around us, and there are things that people know about you that you don't know about you. And the healing that Jesus wants to bring is he wants to show that to you. 
He has nothing to say about the dishwasher, but he wants to show you all those other things. And when you run into moments where your ideal self does not match up with your real self, wounds. It wounds you, it can wound others, and it wounded God. I have a friend in psychology who talks about this concept that I think is just really, really helpful. He talks about it that's called moral injury. And he said the people who experience moral injury psychologically are usually people that are returning back from war. And the way that he described is when you go off and in the field, you have to make split-second moral decisions that you did not get time to think about. But you had to make a decision. And afterwards, you feel the weight of that decision. You question that decision. You play the moment over and over in your head again and again. And what my friend observed from this is he said, don't we all, in some ways, go through a form of moral injury? Some of us emotionally, some of us socially. Don't you have moments where you had to make snap decisions where you look back and you're like, oh man, I wish I, wish I wouldn't have made that or I wish I would have bit my tongue or I wish I wouldn't have said these certain things. In the resurrection of Jesus, this is important, the resurrection of Jesus responds to those moral injuries that you life if you do not know how you feel about God or how God feels about you here this morning that God has shown in Jesus Christ that Jesus wants to be around yourself that no one else wants to be around no matter how God feels about you because of Jesus's response to Peter, I have one friend that says it like this. The love of God is like pollen in the south. It's everywhere. And it gets everywhere. Someone should be amening this morning. The love of God will enter into the places of your life that no one else wants to enter. That's how good God's love is. And notice how Jesus approaches this type of love, and this, this is going to get in our wheelhouse for some of us, Jesus does not forgive and forget. That makes a really good Hallmark card. It's just not the message of Jesus. Jesus doesn't forgive and forget. Jesus is back on the shore with Peter. He doesn't forgive and forget. Jesus is actually faithful in our frailty. When we are inconsistent, God is consistent. When we are unpredictable, God can be predictable in Jesus Christ. When we are cold in our coldest moments, Jesus is warm to us. God's faithful in our frailty, in our moments of failure, in the moments that are the worst parts of your week that you don't like to talk about, or moments that you rather put under the rug. In the resurrection, is God's response and how God is going to handle you in the future. That your worst moments, God is going to forgive. And not only do we see in this interaction with Peter how God is going to handle you in Christ in the future, 
you also get to see God ask how you can handle the same opportunities in the future. Do you notice this? Because when Jesus comes to Peter, three different times he is saying the same thing when Peter denied him. He's giving him three opportunities to say yes to him. And then he wants to let them know, Peter, hey, like you're going to have some opportunities in the future to also respond differently than how you responded before. Three times Jesus said, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my land. What? What's he wanting? What's he feeding? Is he agriculture? What's going on there? It's Jesus saying, give what you are receiving from me. Give what you are receiving from me. That the story of God is one that not God put Jesus on the cross. God opened himself up to humanity and humanity's worse. And humanity put Jesus on the cross. And evil took its best shot at God. And even when humanity came back, when evil was taken upon, Jesus' response in the resurrection is, I'm not going to continue the pain cycle, but I'm going to transform that energy into love instead. The cross is the stopping of the pain cycle. It is the forgiveness that we all need in our lives, but we can't bring it about just by our own will. And Jesus says, because I've done this, you can also do this. And he tells it to people in a way that they would understand. Pick up with me in uh, verse 18. So this is after three times they told Peter. He said, very truly I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then John even fills us in in verse 19. If you didn't get it through that, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death in which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, I want you to follow. Now, the language of, you know, someone's going to dress you, they're going to lead you, they're going to take you, that wouldn't have fallen flat for people who heard this story, even though for us, we're kind of like, I, I don't get, okay, so let me give you an illustration of it. Do you ever, did you ever grow up around people that used phrases that they knew, but you just didn't know? Like, they just use these different phrases that you're like, I guess you just assume that I know what that means. Like, I think about my grandparents saying phrases like, going up street. What does that mean? Going up street. I remember hearing growing up, dress your feet. Okay, that meant put on your shoes, by the way, if you've never heard that phrasing before. These, this phrasing that John uses, people would have known was crucifixion language. When they would have heard that, they would have known exactly what Jesus was saying to Peter. That the cross isn't just something that's done for us but that's something that we actually join with Jesus in doing. We treat the cross as it's so transactional when the cross is meant to be transformational for us. Like it's supposed to call us to the same type of life that Jesus has forgiven us, which means we are given the power to change the cycle 
and give forgiveness to other people. Because of how Jesus has responded, we respond differently in our lives. And that gets harder as we get older, as we collect more experiences. There's a thinker by the name of Ronald Rollheiser who I greatly appreciate some of his writing because all he's done for the past 30 years is he has sat with people who have been beyond the age of 50 and have watched them wrestle with life in the back half of life. And he said, one thing he noticed about the experience once you move past 45 to 50, that you just don't have some of the same wrestlings that you used to. Like used to, you used to be asking the questions of like, who am I going to be? What am I going to be doing? But he said, when you turn 15, you turn a corner there. You start to actually wrestle with something different. Here's how he describes it. As we age, we can slim our spiritual vocabulary down to very few concepts, but one of these is forgiveness. As we age, we need to forgive. We need to forgive ourselves for our own mistakes. Forgive life for having been unfair. And then possibly forgive God for seemingly not having protected us the way we wanted. All of this so that we do not die bitter and angry. What Ronald Rollheiser would say is that as you go through life, you will collect experiences that lodge into your heart. And if you do not forgive, if you leave those things lodged into your heart, this is the path that leads to bitterness and to anger with different people. And the healing of Jesus is not one that he says, take the hardest moments and put them under the rug. He's saying, bring them out, recognize what they are, and change the cycle. No matter how people have responded to you, respond differently to them. Because Jesus has responded differently to us. In that very last verse where, Peter, or where Jesus actually says, follow me. If you were to look at that word really closely, that word is imperative, which is just very grammatical language for saying, Jesus is saying, keep on going in following me. Because as you get older, Peter, harder experiences will come. And because of how I've responded to you, I want you to respond to me. So I want to take five minutes at the very end and I want to just talk about what does that very practically look like for you this week because of the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus has responded differently to us, so we respond differently to others. Here's what that looks like. I'm going to paint you a picture. This is the story of Dorothy. Dorothy recounts a moment that she does not want to relive again, but she felt like she received the invitation from Jesus to respond differently. Dorothy, like probably many of us in the room, had wounds from her upbringing that she had. Specifically, she had a difficult relationship with her father. And near the end of his life, she had to become his primary caregiver. And in her final week, she records this story where she so desperately ached all of her life. I just wanted my father once to say, I'm sorry, or I didn't do this well enough, or I failed you in these different ways. And he never did. And in those final weeks, Dorothy wrestled 
over and over, waiting to hear her father say these words to her. And he never did. But finally, he asked her a question from a man who never asked for much help in life. He asked her a question. He said, Dorothy, would you mind rubbing lotion on my feet? And she remembered in that moment feeling awful and wanted to say, no, I will not. You didn't ask for help all through my childhood. <laughs> you didn't express care. Getting close to you would be so hard for me. And as she thought about that second that was a, probably felt like a thousand seconds in her life, she remembered a quote that she had read. And she read that she thought about this. In our parents' greatest hours of need, we can offer blessing instead of curses. No matter how difficult those hours are, deep moments of mercy and reconciliation can come, changing the course of your life and changing the end of their lives. And she remembered reading that just two weeks before this moment of this question. And even though so badly, she wanted to bring up all the time she wanted her father to respond the way that she wanted and he didn't. She stood on, she answered yes to the question of Jesus. Do you love me? And it came in the form of rubbing lotion on her father's feet. Three days later, he passed. And that was her final moment. That was her final touch point with him. This week, what I would suggest to you, I know that's an intense story for many of you who are like, that is not, that's not my week. The thing that I'm suggesting in the words of Rollheiser is for you to keep your touches warm this week. You never know what your last interaction with someone in your life is going to be. When Jesus comes back to Peter after being denied three times, Jesus comes to him and is warm to him and conveys the love of God. What if you were to keep your touches warm this week? And let me just get very practical for us. The people we need to be warmest with are usually the people who are closest to us, which is a very hard calling. What am I saying for some of us this week? Some of us we're cold and dismissive to people in our lives. And you need to leave worship today. And you need to go make a touch point with them that is warm. For some of us, we just assume the relationships that we have with our lives. And we are not giving people warm touch points. For some of us, we are walking around. And we are just treating people however we are feeling that day. Instead of considering our last interactions with a person. And what would it be like if that was my last interaction with that person? The last interaction Jesus has is one that's warm to Peter, that wants to remind him how he is going to respond. Sure, mistakes have been made, awkward conversations have to happen, and hard things will happen in the future for Peter. But what Jesus wanted to make sure was that his last touch with Peter was warm. This was his concern, and I pray that it's our concern this week as well. 
going to invite Danny up to bless us. I'm going to pray for us as we do. Uh, so God, uh, we thank you. We celebrate, we rejoice, and we humbly hold how you have responded to us in Jesus Christ. God, I'm reminded of the words that early Christians prayed. May you heal our wounded conscience. May you help us not contribute to cycles of pain and hate and anger and frustration. But may your news of how you've responded to us and your love overflow from our hearts and into our relationships. Holy Spirit, I pray that you poke at our hearts. If there is someone that we need to go have a warm touch with, if we need to respond to them differently, God, I pray that you press it on our hearts today to respond to them. We pray all this, Jesus, because you have responded to us. Amen.